Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the first night of spring. Welcome to the Poetry Project. Um, I'm very excited for tonight's reading with Anselm Berrigan and Diana Coy Wynn. Um, and in the spirit of spring, I'm also excited that we have a special pair of guest introducers tonight. Um, Introducing Diana Coy Wynn will be Laura Henriksen, and introducing um, and introducing Anselm Berrigan will be John Coletti. Yeah, so applause for everyone. Um, before we get started with the readings, I just want to mention we opened registration for a master class today with Allison C. Rollins. She's teaching from apophenia to form. Apophenia is the tendency to um, relate things which are unconnected with one another. Um, and we'll be opening registration soon for master classes with Francine J. Harris and Penny Arcade and a workshop series with Carly Moore. Um, on to tonight's reading. I want to welcome Laura Henriksen to the podium. Hi. Thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Um, thank you, Kyle. Uh, I'm so honored and delighted to get, to get to introduce Diana, whose book I really, really love. Diana Coy Wynn's debut collection, Ghost of, from Omnidon, was selected by Terrence Hayes for the Omnidon Open Contest. In addition to winning the 92nd Street Wise Discovery and Boston, Poetry, and Boston Review's Poetry Contest and being shortlisted for the National Book Award, she is a PhD candidate in creative writing at the University of Denver. Elver is another word for American eel, especially a young one, especially when such a young eel is undergoing mass migration upriver from the sea. In Ghost of, after the table of contents but before the first poem, is a page that at first appears to be blank. But then, when you look closer, it becomes apparent that what you, first, what you at first perceive to be emptiness, a lack or vacancy, in fact, is so full, it overflows. In a font so faint, it looks both shadowy and light damaged. The word Oliver, Oliver, Oliver is repeated, and sometimes O, 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 and sometimes Ver, and sometimes Elver. And then at the top, a hole shaped like the figure of a person, or perhaps not a hole, but an opening. Not an absence, but a door or window, a passageway. This page, I think, trains us not only in how to read the poems that follow it, making up this astonishing book, but also raises the specter of what the book teaches us, or teaches me. What at first appears empty is full. What at first seemed like silence, in fact, was sound, was speech, was all music. 
what it first appeared illegible is, in fact, sending out so much meaning and feeling that message you mistook for dead air, for blank space, is in fact clear as a bell, plain as the nose on the face of your loved dead. Reading this, I learned what an elver is. I learned that where I thought there was nothing, there was an abundance. There was, perhaps, everything. Quote, I am in it, and you are in it. The triptychs and Gyotaku poems throughout this book, which are photographs with a figure removed, followed by poems in the shape of that missing figure, followed by poems in the shape of the space from which that figure is missing, remind me of 19th century magic lantern phantasmagoria, whose popularity was in part due to the way they made the ghosts and spirits that Enlightenment thought had endeavored to discredit and disappear visible all over again, through the medium of photography, no less which was supposed to be so unimpeachable in the evidence it provided of a rational material world. And just so, with these poems, what was meant to be hidden will not hide, won't remain over and done with, not only background but in everything, not the edges but the center, the heart. Indeed so entangled, these spatial and temporal metaphors start to fall apart under their own weight, the weight of loss, the weight of grief. In these poems, Diana Coy Wynn is a blacksmith, quote, pushing your dark matter into the fire, unquote, alchemical and transformative. She is building a bridge, even as she challenges the metaphor of the bridge, writing, quote, I want to build a bridge. I want to know its breaking point. And later, quote, there are two sides to the threshold and many ways of crossing, end quote. Through this fire, across this threshold, we learn there are no beginnings and endings. Nothing is over. Not sisters, not brothers, not families, and not war. Which is the last thing that I want to say. Avery Gordon teaches us that admitting the ghost, telling ghost stories, making a hospitable memory for ghosts, is always out of a concern for justice. Wynne writes, quote, that just because it was like life didn't mean it could be life that you could come back to life but not return to living, and if you bypassed a war, a war wouldn't bypass you, end quote. The kind of justice one pursues through speaking with the dead is far from tidy. It doesn't reach a conclusion and then vanish as if a story from the news cycle. It is a justice about endlessness, endless grief, endless anger, endless bonds. Diana Coy Wynn knows this, too, writing, quote, I am growing still and will fill in for you, fill you in until the end. I will never give you up. I will never give up. I will never. I am so grateful for her work and happy that she's here tonight. Please join me in welcoming Diana Coy Wynn. Thank you, Laura. It's always an act of stealing oneself not to cry when somebody is talking so kindly of one. I know, I didn't grow up that way, but we can talk about that later. Um, thank you, for everybody, for coming out tonight. Um, I had a panic at 4 a.m. this morning when my flight was canceled due to the grounding of a certain Boeing plane. But I booked another flight, which didn't work out. And then another one. And here I am. It's a miracle. I don't know what time it is. But I'm so grateful to be here. It's been a dream for many, a long time, many years. Uh, I think in 2011, I was here, and I saw Susan Howe read. 
and I cried. Um, so this is like a spe- very special place, and this book in many ways is indebted to Susan Howe and her work. And so I'm so grateful to Kyle for inviting me and for Laura for that introduction and Nicole and for everybody who's been a part of m- making this happen. And I'm so excited to read with Anselm and to hear him and to see you and meet you. Okay. I'm grateful. Let's begin. Oh, overview. I'm going to read. There's going to be a clicker and some PowerPoint slides and then a video. I know. You're in for a ride. Okay. A bird in Chile and elsewhere. There is no ecologically safe way to mourn. Some plants have nectaries that keep secreting pollen even after the petals have gone. Like a flower that grows only in the invisible, the whole world of its body noiselessly shaking against the dust. I keep getting things wrong after Mark Levine. One, my father, just out of his teens, stands on the rooftop of the embassy in Saigon, his birthplace. He gives his hand to his mother, and all around them, a thousand hands reach up not to wave. None of his siblings died. Their bodies, like a fine chain balled tight in a fist, they made it out alive. Why is he looking at me like this? Two. This is the idea of a house my father built in Southern California. These two circle windows and bamboo on all sides. He brought a jungle here, complete with French doors. These are the tiles from his mother's house, cool against my cheek. I talk to him in one tongue. He answers from the morgue. Three, let's get on with it. When I return to that house, I eat the food left out from my dead brother. I don't waste much. I slide open and close his closet, untangle the window blinds. The bees are quiet in the walls now, their colonies dying off. His shoes on my father's feet are the only moving thing in sight. Four. On their flight to America, the choice for lunch was rice or pasta. But when the meal cart reached them, there was only pasta. My father smiled at the flight attendant and asked, Why didn't you reap enough rice? (laughs) Five. The certificates we use to be certain of each other. ID cards, contracts, permits, Deeds, fishing licenses, driving licenses, car titles, carry permits, registrations, income statements, IOUs, testimonials, certificates of birth, custody and death, letters of consent. Do I have permission to approach a drowning man from behind? Six. I dreamed last night, my mother says, that you were in danger and your brother was young still, though you were the same as you are now. He was looking for me, and I was looking for you. Seven. 
I sit at my desk, typing and deleting words. Twice, I dreamed I fucked my brother. I keep trying to wake up. I keep getting things wrong. I'm ready to feel better. Ghost of deals with the aftermath and kind of rewinding to the days and the years before my brother's suicide in 2014. He was 24. Um, but in understanding one family member's death and trauma um, also brought me back to my childhood and our shared trauma, which then also kind of led me back to my parents' trauma escaping from the Vietnam War after the fall of Saigon, which is all to say the kind of legacy of war and the silence around not talking about trauma and how that breeds a certain kind of weighty silence, which in our family ended in a, in a death that we're finally now kind of addressing it. Um, which is really kind of bittersweet. Ghost of one. One evening, a man and a woman, parents to two daughters, watch the 1948 version of Oliver Twist, go to sleep, and in the morning name their only son, Oliver. The family rejoices, even though they are industrious refugees who previously celebrated nothing and for several years buy him gifts and feed him sugar. The eldest daughter resembles her brother until she wakes up one morning from a dream in which he lay in ermine holding tightly to a scepter. Soon after, her hips widen. One lone hair grows in her armpit. Sometimes the daughter feels like a son. Sometimes the sun feels like a shadow. You can't draw inside the body, he says to his first grade teacher. So why try to draw what's inside the body at all? Two. If one has no brother, then one used to have a brother. There is, you see, no shortage of gain and loss. Let's admit without embellishment what we do with each other. When the daughter begins to walk, it is apparent that she ambles pigeon-toed. A doctor tells her alarmed parents that no surgery is needed, just some roller skating. Each day after work, the father helps his daughter stay upright on her skates. If you have a father, then you also have a son. A child has difficulty weaning from nursing bottle to glass of milk. Concise in her expression of impatience, the mother pours a gallon of milk over the girl's head. A tiger came across a donkey, and having never seen a donkey before, mistook it for a god. After everyone has gone to bed, an eldest child hoists her younger brother over her shoulders, then a sheet over his shoulders, and they sway as one into the middle sister's room. Who is weak and who is weaker? And what does relativity have to do with it? Three. Let me tell you a story about refugees. A mother and her dead son sit in the back seat of his car. It's intact in their garage, and he is buckled in. She brushes the hair behind his ear. This is the old country, 
And this is the new country, and the air in the car is the checkpoint between them. Let me tell you a story about seatbelts. While driving her children to the local pool, a mother enumerates to her children their failures. There was a mother, she says, who put her children in a car, sewing their seatbelts so they couldn't unbuckle them, who drove them off a seaside cliff. A boy on a unicycle goes round and round a lighthouse, dodging tourists, ridicule, and awe. He doesn't go up. He doesn't fall down. Son, says the mother, meaning child, not her husband. Son, says the father, whose name is Sung. Sister, says the son, lying in a coffin. To hell with family, says the rest of the family. Four. A brother is a brother when he has at least one sibling. The brother believes he is not a brother, but one in name only. When the brother meets a couple his parents' age, he takes the time to tell them he's an only child and an orphan. The three of them agree that one must not be without family, that there must be at least two in a family, that three is even better. They embrace, and the couple encourages the brother, the brother waiting for the other shoe to drop. Whose shoe? His or the couple's? Five pairs of shoes dangle from the pole of a traffic light. Over time, birds make a nest in each hollow, each separate space. Five. Your hat is Mexican? Asks a sailor in Cote d'Azur. No, it's Moroccan. Are you from Japan? Asks a Moroccan shopkeeper in Marseille. No, I'm American. Is belonging and fulfillment possible without family? No. Is it possible with family? No. You cannot connect if you keep answering no. You cannot keep your brother alive if you keep your mouth shut. You cannot keep your brother alive. At camp, some counselors take the kids on an excursion into the woods, leading them in a game of hide-and-seek. One boy, a deaf child who was also going blind, hid so well that they couldn't find him, and he didn't find his way back. He had done everything right. Nabokov says, The lost glove is happy. Is the lost brother happy? Six. A man lies in an open grave after a body is taken out of it. This practice is said to lengthen life expectancy. The brother imagines his bed is a nest in which his body is removed. There is a story about a man galloping by another man who asks, Where are you going? Ask my hearse, says the man. I was never lost in a jungle, says a father. Just looking for a way out. So I'm going to show you some slides. Um, it kind of gives me a perverse pleasure to say that because I also teach business students and how to give presentations, but they don't know anything about poetry. I know. It's so weird. I have a clicker. Have you ever had a clicker at a poetry reading? 
I own one, but I forgot to bring mine. (laughs) So Laura mentioned Gyotaku in her really generous introduction. I became really enamored is not the right word, um, obsessed with this concept. So for those of us who aren't familiar with Gyotaku, we're familiar with fisher persons who catch a large fish and then who want to capture that moment, the marlin, the tuna, etc. correct? And so they take a picture of themselves with their big fish, and it's there for posterity as me and this dead thing that I caught. So before photography, um, it's a very kind of old practice in Japan. Fisher, fisher persons would apply a sumo ink, kind of ink, to the body of a fish that they caught, right? And then they would press the fish against muslin or paper. Isn't that a kind of printing, right? And I love this idea because unlike in photography where we kind of get a sense of the whole of the thing, because the ink can only touch parts of that fish and not, you know, all angles of its scales, we just get that impression. And then you think about, like, the fish, the dead fish as a kind of stamp, and to think about um, remnants and echoes, visual kind of echoes. So I did that um, with these kind of shards of text, which I'll give a context for in just a second. Um, so the other thing I will share is two years before he committed suicide, my brother removed himself from the family portraits that hung in the walls of the house in the middle of the night, and then he put them all back up. So it was a very kind of quiet violence. My parents didn't notice right away. They probably noticed around midday. They did a double take in the hallways. Um, they didn't talk to him about it. They called me. I was living here in New York, and I called him, and he didn't respond, but he wrote me an email, and this is the last, these are the last words that he said to me. He just said, fuck you. Um, and that in itself is its own kind of painful memory. And the pictures hung up on the walls until he died, like a harbinger, and then they hung up after his death, and we still didn't talk about them. On the first anniversary of his death, I really wanted to reverse the negative valency of these images and really kind of begin to kind of, I don't even know if reparations is the right word, um, but I didn't want them just to hang like these terrible, like traumatic silences. But I also didn't want to appropriate my brother's body. I wanted to use them as a kind of portal to reach to the afterlife or to wherever he is now. Um, and I kind of played around with the idea of Gyotaku and the text as a Gyotaku, so you kind of see what happens here in this next page. The other thing I was really obsessed with at the time, because I'm prone to obsessions, are eels. Creepy, but under the ocean. So different from snakes. Um, I, In particular, I was taken with the concept of the elver, so an adolescent eel. Um, Also, scientists, as of 2016, do not know how eels procreate. They just know it happens in the ocean deep, and they think it looks like this. Or this is what I translate what they think it looks like, like a kind of roiling mass of slithering, slimy eels. Yes. Okay, so eels are born, and then around the adolescent stage, they make this treacherous journey to freshwater. 
And because of the dam's man-made structures, many of them travel on land. Many of them have to climb vertical walls to kind of get to their destination, this kind of biological imperative. And I spent many an hour on YouTube really just crying watching these adolescent eels kind of struggle. And I think for me, that the elver in particular stands in as a kind of metaphor for my brother. My parents named us Western names, but they couldn't pronounce them. So they refer to all of us by our last syllables. So I'm Nah. My brother is Ver. My sister is Ni. Her name is Denise. Um, so when I see the word Elver, I also see the echo of my brother's name, and I just watch the Elver videos. You too can go down that rabbit hole on YouTube. I recommend it. <laughs> so I was going to read or attempt to read from this one. Giyotaku. Ran through the ribbon of his life, Ely, eel-like. Born and not born, the eel returns upstream, up dam walls, waterfalls, winding, winchless. She fails her vow to defeat death, so cells divide, live, divide. Elver, Elver, Oliver, Elver, Elver, Oliver, Oliver, Elver, Oliver, Oliver. Oliver, Elver, 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 Oliver, Elver, Oliver, Elver, Elver, Oliver, Elver, Oliver, 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 Ver, Ver, Elver, Oliver, Ver, Elver, Ver, Oh, Ever, Lip, If, Ver. Also in the book are a series of triptychs, and triptychs because they start with oh they start with an image where my brother has cut himself out, and it was really accidental. You know, for those of us who do things on the computer, sometimes I spastically hit paste twice too fast, and I did that, and the image ghosted itself on top of itself, so it was an accident. And I kind of liked the idea of, of former versions of ourselves kind of hovering over ourselves, so I kept it. Um, so kind of a haunting in addition to the kind of white void. And I, I'm going to show you this just so it kind of makes sense in terms of how I read what comes next. So then we have the portal of the text kind of reaching to the brother, and then I thought... What about the family who remains? What if the text acted as a support system around the white void? And so that's this, this comprises of the triptych. And I don't want you to follow along, so here's a black screen. <laughs> We're going to listen instead. Okay. Triptych. With eyes closed, he waits for his body to do the same. A fistful of grains, rice let go from the hand of a symbolist. First, the rainstorm, then trio of crickets, a stream, then a trickle like someone who has the hands of a mother or father to guide him. But the house is empty. He is emptying out every hour, all hours before his death. He's dangerously close to living. His body is warm, his mind cool. What are the tricks for warming? 
He no longer feels the watch against his wrist. He no longer feels a wrist. He no longer... What may exist between appearance and disappearance, between sound and silence, as something that is nearly nothing, slow music, quiet music, spare music, of sound and form, I fell asleep tonight after feeding us both. It was hard to think of you cold. It was hard to think. You think it was hard to think of you? It was hard to think. While I slept soundful, the wind howled and wet its whistling teeth. It has sound but no form. What has a form but no sound? There is no sound for everyone. Not ev. Everyone has a sound, there is no sound, for there is no sound there, for everyone is there. Anyone, between the sound and the silence, some solitary figure ambling along the l Oop, no sound, no sound in which the performer is silent. He is a point depart- Ing, no sound. No sound overtaking sound to the verge of vanishing. No. Oh, sound, not one. No one silhouetted against the empty scores. No duration to mar- Arc, but still a space to occupy an occupation. Tonight, I fed you first, then my- s Elf, then fell asleep. We have departed from the cage that is not a space we occupy. A sister who is dreaming becomes a sister in another sister's dream, momentarily forgetting that music is playing. Something startled me. A voice in the room I thought was empty. Did you jump over? Did you jump back? Over and back? Did you jump. Did you jump back? Did you? Over here, I stretch the replay across the y ear and longer. It keeps me alive. It keeps me alive. It keeps alive. It keeps me alive. It keeps me alive. It keeps me alive. It keeps me alive. It keeps. My brother doesn't exist in photograph, mostly, anymore. But um, last year I digitized all of the home videos we had, and so he exists in the 90s. For those of us who are alive, he exists in the 90s. And there's this very peculiar thing. We have our memories of our childhood, and then we watch a particular video record, and we realize we got it all wrong. Um, and that was very interesting for me to kind of go through. So I've been going through, as part of a documentary project, just to go through the video archive and to kind of trace where memory and history and the record as curated by my father, the cinematographer, kind of blur and misalign. And thinking about what does it mean to have that record, but how it like is totally disconcordant with how I remember things. I thought I was a really happy child. The video record shows otherwise. 
And it's funny because my sister is so silent now, but she is like the loud, vivacious one in the videos. And it's interesting to see how we develop and how we grow and deviate from former versions of ourselves. So this is an excerpt from a long documentary piece called After the Fact. Yeah. Okay. Woman's hands holding a bowl beneath a stream of tap water, jade bracelet slipping from the crease in her forearm to her wrist. How does a human arm work? What are the names of the bones? How many bones? These bones of mine. Will it work? Parts of a robotic arm will work. What parts of the arm do push-ups work? It's a complex, particularly inarticulate condition, perhaps because Kay feels, I won't believe her, she won't believe me yet. She's spontaneous. I'm sincerely watching. I don't need to question her story. I don't need to question the reality. Every video is a document. We simply revel in movement. Video conveys, conveys truth if we decide it does. Simply reveal in the moment, moving from the world around us. My hand like a clasp at her back. We are moving away from, moving toward each other into these other worlds, realms, finite pleasure, infinite possibility, in the pleasure moving video, a blank video released on video, video, videre, vidi, visus, a, um, to see, to seem passive. We see all kinds of interactions, our bodies document, our human document. I walk toward the gray waves, turning back only once. O watches me and starts after. He was watching. Was he always watching me? Children do that at that age. The world pours into them and their open record. He watches and starts after me. Our shoulder blades sharply rise and fall. Out of the frame, D asks, quote, tell me the boy who makes you feel, end quote. Should I tell you how this boy makes me feel? What could cause shoulder blade pain? What causes pain between? What does it mean when you have pain between your shoulder blades? Why do I have a pain in my should? What does the scapula do? How many scapula bones, blade or wing bone, always connected or paired? Videos convey truth if we decide they do. Escort, together, ways. Oh, watches and starts. Our blades rise and fall. Video calls on us to believe, accept this world as actual. Copy and original are just strings in different locations. I exist of strands of him and her. O exists of strands of him and her. O exists. We are strands in different locations, different directions. Video calls us to... This world we inhabit and share, accept it as actual. We take pleasure not just from document, but direction as well. He runs back toward the shore, wings outstretched against the wind I follow after. He looks back, he is looking, he looks, he looks to see if alone, a basis for belief, we see what was there before the camera. It must be true. An image cannot tell everything we want to know. What happened? Images can be altered during, after the fact. They ask us to do what they want. There is heat in all interaction. This day laughing mid-command. This day quizzing us on birth dates. Okay, oh, kick. Oh, come here. 
I am writing to make the process of perception perceptible to me. In 1997, benzene was detected in deep space. Those related to benzene comprise a diverse family. Hoffman used the word aromatic to designate this dynamic. I like that in video, we express ourselves as witnesses in transition. Five of us in a row eating cake in silence. We feed ourselves, and one of us feeds another. A pitcher of flowers obscures Kay's face. Her hair falls forward each time. She lifts the plate toward her face. Aromatic molecules are very stable. They do not break apart easily to react with others. Poems aren't true. Is the video true? True to whom? Reality itself represents itself. I think of myself as a prop placed on the stool in the chair. Kay shoves my knees apart, or she slams them together. I wipe the cake off my shin. Care is required for witness. I think of myself as a recording device. I simultaneously record while representing over and over again. I record over and over. I do not record over however nonchalant I appear. In action, we wordlessly ask them to do what we want. Actions can grow louder. What do we want? What am I doing? What am I wanting? The more compassion I have for myself, the sooner I can. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. It's an honor to hear and see and experience that work. I think we need to take a break, and so that's what we're going to do. Um, and we'll come back in five or seven-ish minutes. <laughs>